0: Welcome to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. Hey, everybody. My name's Scott Redd. I'm the president here at RTS, and I'm joined here by my colleagues, Dr. Peter Lee, Dr. Gracie Tonto, and Dr. Tommy Keene. And we are wrapping up here at the end of the summer. We're wrapping up our series on the fruit of the Spirit, so we're going to delve into... Self control, but as we do so, the weather is changing. I've actually got a few brown leaves in my backyard. How's the end of the summer going for you guys?
1: The summer has gone really well. I was uh, really <laughs> impressed by the insurance companies in the United States because <laughs> oh,
2: right. you had your first time I had my, my first
1: yeah. car accident in a long time. I did have a car accident when I was a student back in the seminary, but it was a very minor thing. But that's this time right. it was a pretty, pretty bad fender bender. And, um, everybody's okay, everything's okay, and I was really surprised that the insurance companies actually do their work here because back in Jakarta, it was always very ambiguous who I needed to pay and what I needed to do because there was no rules, and there's mm-hmm. no insurance usually that you could rely on so that's good that that's out. a good thing that's a good yeah, thing yeah
0: infrastructure infrastructure's nice
1: that's right, you know it made me a little more optimistic, a little less cynical, so that's that's yeah. good,
0: yeah.
2: You don't often hear insurance companies praised, but that's I, right. it's nice to hear that. You it, know. it is
1: nice, especially when the repair out body company called me and told me what the repairs were going to cost. And then I was very shocked at the five-digit number. Uh-huh. And then I was very happy to hear that the insurance company is going to cover it all because it was not Sorry. our fault.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's you know, it's funny. I I'd be interested to know what accident stats look like because we've had... In our family, almost zero accidents mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember. And suddenly in the past year, we've had quite, quite a quite a flurry of them, including tragically taking out a deer on the way out to the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains to go camping mm-hmm. about a month back. And um, I've noticed that our insurance company just seems overloaded. They seem really crazy busy, mm-hmm. to coin a phrase. But, yeah, our things are getting taken care of as well. Uh, insurance insurance is a it is both a racket and also a needful thing when you need it.
1: Yeah, it does take a while to get in touch with them. So if you're patient enough to do the ninety minute phone calls, yeah. At the end of that, though, you know they get sitting it Sitting
0: on you're getting used to sitting on hold and listening to that music play on, on the hold, speaker. That's
1: right. yep. I can probably hum it right now, but I won't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, my summer was fairly
3: relaxing. Uh, Travelled to California, see some family. Um, my uh, children have been kind of in and out. Uh, my adult kids have been kind of in and out. One comes back from a long trip, another takes off. So, uh, so the house has felt a little empty. That's um, but that's okay. You know, that's yeah. okay. But I've been able to get some reading done this summer. That's nice. Um, so and hanging around here a lot in the mm. office mm. by
2: myself.
0: That's a been lot. fun. We've that's all been, been by ourselves nice because. <laughs>
2: In, in at any given week, two out of the four of us have been away right, teaching right. somewhere or doing something. There's been a lot
0: of travel this this, yeah. small, this summer. And the more
2: I a talk to teaching. people, the more it seems like everybody. It's like everybody's had
0: a busy. It didn't s- used to summer. be this way. Yeah, yeah, but it has. It's it's almost been perfectly syncopated our calendars and yep. the fact that, like Tommy, I don't think I saw you for like a month and a half because if I was in town, you were gone. And if you were in town, I was, I was getting gone.
2: suspicious mm-hmm
0: hmm suspicious about suspicious your own that you are
2: planning your uh, oh, your travel oh, oh, okay. around my presence uh-huh yeah.
0: okay i don't have you know i don't have that much self control <laughs> hey segue which leads me <laughs> you like you like that peter peter's nodding like that peter's nodding with satisfaction i do like that <laughs> there's
2: nothing like a good segue
0: uh-huh <laughs> self- control the last the ultimate uh, the ultimate of the fruit of the spirit, the final one, the final arbiter. And in some ways, the fruit that, as we've mentioned before going into this, some of these fruit are kind of, I, I think of them as like macro fruit and some are kind of micro fruit. Some, some deal with their own domain and some rule over the, the semantic domains of others. Um, I feel as if everything that we've talked about involves the application of self-control, mm-hmm. Right. Because of the fall, because of the role of sin in our lives, because of total depravity, everything being touched by this deathwardness that we as a a race, as a humanity gave into um, back in the garden, we all have to will and desire to be patient and loving and kind and faithful, right? We, we, we all have to, it, take, it takes a certain amount of effort and work, not just out of our finitude, but out of our fallenness. So let's talk a little bit about this last category, uh, that the fruit of the spirit involves your ability to control yourself, right? Which I think to start off with is 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 you know, diametrically opposed to being an animal, right? The idea that an animal is just following its passions, mm. following its instincts and its desires, and the human is called to not do that, yeah. to 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 embrace this idea of self-rule in a way.
1: Mm. Well, I think this particular emphasis of Galatians 5 on the fruit of the Spirit really is an indictment against the sinful human condition. It presupposes a self that needs to be controlled, a self that is recalcitrant, a self that is perhaps even intransigent to change, and therefore a self that has a tendency to follow the passions that are especially against God, and therefore against our best interests, against our telos, and against our good. So this is, I think, implying the reform teaching on the doctrine of concupiscence, or what has been known as the doctrine of concupiscence, this idea that because of our original corruption that we inherited from the fall, from Adam, we are now corrupted beings, and so we have a tendency to sin. We have an inclination to sin. And this inclination marks out our bodies as bodies of death, as Romans 7.25 says. And it also marks out our um, our enmity against God, our hatred of God, and our hatred of the good. So in the Reformed tradition, concupiscence is not a... Innocent state concupiscence actually marks us out as already guilty the fact that we struggle in these ways The fact that we have a tendency to sin and not just act sin yet, but the tendency to sin itself mm-hmm. is itself licit and itself therefore is guilty and so what We
0: were responsible for the
1: tendency. We are responsible for culpable. the tendency, right? Yeah. We're, we are born this way but unlike our culture being born this way is not going to alleviate us of our guilt, but mm-hmm. actually makes us more culpable because we are the kinds of creatures that have this sort of evil inclination, and we are um, culpable for those things. Um, so, the fruit of the spirit goes against our post-fall sinful selves, and we need, therefore, to control that sinful self. And it is by the spirit that we can begin to control that sinful self.
2: Yeah, yeah I think you know you mentioned I think last week or in one of the previous weeks scott that you know it's all leading here and i to this this you know we start with this umbrella idea of love mm-hmm. and we kind of end also with this anchor idea of self-control that touches all of this fruit and i think that's true but it struck me when you said it because i don't normally for me as a reader self-control has always been kind of the one that doesn't belong on the list mm. because well, i mean first of all it's Fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about the Spirit as being the source and the norm and the guide, and and here it's self-control, which doesn't seem like a spiritual virtue. But you know, how does it differ, for example, from what the Greeks and the Roman philosophers would have said, which would have, they would have valued self-control, mm-hmm. just as you know, personal mastery of the self, kind of thing. Um, and the and then the other reason it, do, it does feels like it doesn't belong is because it doesn't feel feels too oriented toward the self and also feels not very spiritual. So I remember a couple of years ago doing kind of a little deep dive into what does this even mean? And it is everywhere. It's all over the scripture. Mm. Uh, The idea of self-control and the significance of it. It's tied to perseverance. It's tied to the Mm -hmm. tongue. It's tied to the heart. Mm -hmm. James 4, the passions of the flesh. It's tied to like... Gray, like you were saying, uh, to depravity and human nature and all of these kinds of things. I, and uh, this is the verse, I'll tell you the verse that kind of like cha- that changed my view on how to think about self-control was when uh, Paul is in, uh, you know, bouncing from prison to prison and governor to governor in Acts, I think this is Acts 23, um, and he's, in, he's with Felix. And after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Et cetera, et cetera, And Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness and self-control and coming judgment. Right. Like that's his four spiritual, his, I guess, three spiritual laws, not five, not four. He's, you know, his his evangelism speech is, at the heart of it is, this this discussion of self-control and its relationship to righteousness on the one hand and coming judgment on the other. Per, and, and just perfect thing to talk to a governor about. Mm-hmm. Um both because that's his job, but also because he requires uh, self-control. So he's kind of contextualizing, I guess, for the governor. So I was amazed. I was surprised how interconnected it is and evangelistic, and gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. For Paul, this this idea of self-control might mm-hmm.
0: be. Yeah, and I think if you add on to that, you know, Greg, you mentioned the flesh. You mentioned the flesh, Tommy, too. You know, this idea of anytime Paul's talking about flesh versus spirit, you know, he's not talking about flesh in the sense of like your meat or something, right? Like your, your humanness. He's talking about your flesh as your sinful, what he calls the sinful man, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the spiritual man. You're putting away your sinful man. Mm -hmm. You're mortifying the flesh. If you think about all of that is the language of self-control, right? It's not just disciplining yourself, not, you know, it's not teaching yourself to wake up early and do a hundred burpees though. That might be, that might be the self-control that you need. Yeah. When you're morning. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, Yeah, that might be what it what involves you if you're struggling with, you know, laziness or something like that. Right. But it's self-control toward the spirit. Right. It's directedness toward the spirit and away from the sarks, the sinful flesh. Mm -hmm. And that's you add that element into it you said you find it everywhere. It's all over the New Testament. I mean, you find that in the Old Testament, too. There is language in the Old Testament of, like, your flesh being weak or not being, you know, um, able to hold up. So the Lord holds the person up, and that's a little different, but still does involve this kind of, like, being spiritually informed and being spiritually strengthened against being weakened in your it's not, not using flesh the same way yeah. but the being weakened by temptation and distraction I'll, I'll, I will concede
2: um, yeah I think there's there's a twofold You know, self control is required because of the passions of the flesh right and even pre-fall it requires analysis, slowing down, being non-reactive to think through the the temptation, the trial that's before Eve and Adam uh, so there's this personal dimension to it, but there's also and I think James gets at this with the ship analogy and and some other spots where self control is um, self- control also involves my response to others I'm not yeah. being bounced around by the winds of change by the the unpredictable character of the things that we um, often have to go. Because I'm a self-controlled person, mm-hmm. I won't be misdirected or misaligned as those kinds of things come to buffet yeah. us in the course of our life.
3: Yeah. Uh, Scott, you mentioned real early uh, in when you were sharing about um, self-control, you used the image of um, ruling over our sinful nature, I think, mm-hmm. uh, having lordship over our, our sinful nature. That seems to be really relevant to self-control. It's the kind of divine authority that has been given to us as image bearers. But in this case, it's being practiced over ourselves and our, and our sinful tendency and how through the grace of God, through the spirit that dwells in our hearts, that we can, in fact, be successful uh, to a certain degree. I agree with Tommy, actually. I've thought the same thing. Self-control as being one of the fruits of the spirit -hmm. You know, it just seemed kind of an odd. You know, how do you think through this? It's a spirit. It's a fruit of the spirit, so you think outside of yourself. But the last fruit here is something that's causing you to be introspective Mm. and look Mm -hmm. within you. It's a self control, and the mistake that we can uh, we can easily make is forget that it is a fruit of the spirit. It is a spirit that gives us the strength and the authority as image bearers to uh, to deny our sinful selves. Um, you know, I can't help but to wonder if it's sort of the, you know, uh, take up your cross daily uh, 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 teaching that Jesus gives here, that if you are my disciples, you will take up your cross daily, die Mm -hmm. to yourself, uh, deny uh, what you know to be uh, uh, wrong, sinful, evil, and follow that narrow path of discipleship.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's, you just touched on something that actually we haven't talked about a lot with these fruit of the spirit, that we've kind of hit the issue tangentially. Is that this is the fruit of the spirit, right? It comes out of the spirit, and yet I think oftentimes for Christians, they they think, oh, that means it's going to happen sort of passively, like the spirit's going to be active in me, and I'm going to find myself being kind and and uh, being, you know, faithful and being yeah. gentle and all of these things. And self-control really points us back to like, no, the, the spirit's not just working sort of passively off-scene, right? But the spirit is working in this, on the stage of your own consciousness, right? It's not just off-scene, it's on the stage. And you struggling and white knuckling it and trying not to do the thing that your passions and your sinful flesh wants flesh wants to do. And there's all different kinds of methods in doing that, right? You don't want to be white knuckling it all the time to use AA language, but you know, you you want your desires and your passions to change, to be bridled, but that struggle itself to control the self, to mortify the flesh, to, to, you know, as Paul says to beat himself so that he's into submission kind of thing. That's, the fruit of the Spirit. That's thing I think people often forget. They're like, I'm struggling with this sin. I can't seem to get away from it. I, I repent every night and yet I wake up the next morning and I'm still struggling with it. Where's the Lord in this? Well, he's right there in the middle of your struggle with this, right? He's right there in the middle of your efforts to have self-control, right? That's, that's, that's in a way the work of the Spirit. It's not just yeah. the end result of me being a disciplined Stoic. It's this work of me uh, you know, being trained, I mean, being being prepared for the Lord and His glory.
2: I think that's key, that, that double aspect to the nature of self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit, and so whatever it is, it's going to be something that the Spirit does in us, and yet at the same time, and all the fruits have this kind of character to them, but especially I think we see it in, in self-control. At the same time, the... The work that I do, the Spirit is at work in me so that I am then called to work, and the work that I do actually is not only fruitful for the idea of self-control, but it it has an an interplay on my my heart, my desires. Mm -hmm. I think we, we think about, and Jesus tells us, right, out of the heart the mouth speaks. And so if I want to control myself, I have to control my heart, and that's absolutely true. But the other side is also true, that as I self-consciously engage in the work of training my body in righteousness, I think that's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 9. I think James actually is doing that in James 3 with the, the language of the tongue. He uses the tongue as if it's the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't talk about the heart there. He talks about the tongue is it's, it's as if it's so directly tied to the heart that what the heart, every, every beat of the heart manifests itself in the tongue, as it were. Yeah. Um, as we control our tongue then as we control ourselves we are actually doing heart work if we're doing it in the spirit if we're doing it in a gospel gracious centered Mm -hmm. way if we're if we're drawing on christ and his help in our time of need in order to do the work of habit formation and controlling ourselves then it it works into our heart in such a way that's actually helpful yeah yeah
0: it's reciprocal right your beliefs and your passions, your your, your your desires are formed by what you do, and mm-hmm. they form what you do, mm-hmm. right? The, the same – there's this kind of circular aspect to it, which is where it, what brings us to things like Christian discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because doing the thing uh, forms your desires, and we see this both for good and for ill, you know?
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. it if our desires – work themselves out in our actions, but our actions actually also Mm -hmm. form our desires. Mm
3: -hmm. And it's such a, uh, you know, encouraging, uh, kind of exciting way of looking at, you know, our Christian life. Um, you know, if we were called to just kind of do self-control and manage our own uh, passions on our own and there is no spirit context, uh, you know, that's pretty futile, um, there, there is no real hope or actual, genuine change, whether it's behavior in our lives or our heart conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really liberating, at least as I think about it, to see this in the context as a fruit of the spirit. Uh, it gives us some hope of success. Uh, it gives us some hope um, that you know, sin is, and living in sin is a horrible way to live. It's so dissatisfying. It's very disillusioning. Uh, it's very misleading, it looks, you know, deceivingly appealing, and it's terrible. And we have been given the grace to be liberated from that yeah. and to now rule over it and the tendencies in our own hearts to, to rule over that, to be in control of that by the grace of God and the Spirit mm-hmm. that strengthens uh, our heart. It reminds me of the uh, circumcision of heart stuff mm-hmm. in yeah. Deuteronomy 30 and in, in Jeremiah where you know the Lord will circumcise your heart, you know kind of the work of the Spirit. In fact, Ezekiel, I think, exactly says it's a Spirit um, that will uh, uh, that will do this, uh, so that you may now obey, mm-hmm. and so that you can now worship and fear God. So, uh, so you you have the Spirit that is renewing your heart, the fruit of the Spirit. So you don't have to worship idols now. Mm-hmm. You actually can worship God. Before you couldn't, but now you can. And mm-hmm. and so uh, so therefore, be self-controlled. You, you actually now can do that by the grace of God. So what's, uh,
1: what's the difference between this sort of spiritual self-control on the one hand and the self-control that might be reflected in the Greek and the Roman philosophers that we talked about before? What's the difference between, in other words, Secular or or, or the CrossFit gym, of or today. the CrossFit gym, right? Or the Chris Williamson's and Joe Rogans of the day, or something like that. <laughs> or even just sort of moralism in our
3: day. I mean, right.
1: So, what distinguishes this sort of self-control from that?
3: There is a certain, you know, I think in a in a spiritless, if I can put it that way, no Holy Spirit, no fruit of the Spirit context. It really can be kind of a you know, just try harder, you know, whip your body uh, to conform to the standard. It's totally up to you. It's up to your own strength. It's up to your own uh, devices. Um, uh, And there's no real guarantee for success, it seems. I mean, you're just going
0: to fail. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably, that's an interesting question because it just got me thinking, and I'll I'll do it out loud. I think about all the fruit of the spirit. All of them, I think, could have secular analogs, Mm -hmm. right? You know, kindness without the spirit becomes what like niceness mm-hmm. or something right mm-hmm. you know, I think I think self-control without the spirit in other words it's not worshipful it's not Christ oriented mm-hmm. becomes right like stoicism or some sort of disciplined person it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. but it's not unto worship of the living God which is what the spirit's always doing is testifying to the lordship of Christ in us so it just got me thinking about the other the other fruit of the Spirit too. I was like, okay, so does this work for all of them? You know, um, and I'm not sure that it does. But it's a I, I think you could probably say that with with all of them. You know, faithfulness becomes what committedness, loyalty, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know, they're not necessarily bad things, but they're not unto Christ, which the Spirit yeah. is always unto.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I and I think too that. I think we mentioned this in the earlier episodes, that in the secular analogs or the secular counterparts, you'll have one of these aspects of the fruit without the others. Mm, So we talked about how when we have peace in the secular counterpart, it's only peace that is contingent upon the lack of something else, or it's all conditioned upon something else. Whereas this sort of peace that we're talking about here is a peace that is beyond all conditions, right? So in other words, you're only going to have peace in the secular counterpart if there are certain conditions that are met. And once those conditions are actually crossed, you'll actually lose that peace. Mm-hmm, right? right? Is this a peace beyond and above all circumstances? Right. And so when that sort of peace is violated, you become unkind to the person that violates your peace, for instance. But the question is, can you become peaceful even when somebody else crosses you? And now can you remain in peace and also remain kind to that person that crosses you? Yep. I think it's the same way here. Um, when I I think about, for instance, you know, the typical CrossFit gym person or or at least it's typified by someone as disciplined as, let's say, again, Joe Rogan or something like that, Um, it's a very controlled kind of self-control that is, again, contingent upon, dependent upon certain conditions to be met. So you hear them talk about, for instance, their prioritization of not having children in their proximity or perhaps... Things Um, out of my control. Not committed to a certain marriage, right? Where they put yourselves away. There's this other social media influencer named Brian Johnson who's committed on staying young. I don't know if you all heard about Mm -hmm. this particular figure. And there was this news article that came out um, interviewing him and he said, I will never date unless that person that I date recognizes that he or she is not my priority and that um, we'll have dinner at 11 a.m. because that's my schedule and my wellness routine and they have to follow my schedule. Um, so in other words, they have peace and they have self-control to follow their youthful regulation insofar as it excludes other people. Now the mm-hmm. question is, can you have and can you retain the self-control when things don't go your way? Yep. And again, that's gonna be very doubtful. And I think
0: that, that makes it it makes it makes self-oriented instead of Christ-oriented, yep. right? Which makes it ultimately unsatisfying because yep. you're not gonna be satisfied in self. Yep. And ultimately irrational too, because it makes no sense. What's the point? What, yeah. Why? What was the groundwork or the foundation for being self-oriented in that way? It just becomes an absurdity. Right. But I, I think that's where that that's where that, that will actually be true of all of these things as yeah, right. we're looking at them, right?
2: I think that Christ-centered is is key there. That's a good way to to that's good language for it. Um, or it, kind of broaden out Paul's theology, right? Because these are fruit of the spirit, and we can. Build that out of a kind of theology of the Spirit for Paul, and for the for Paul, the Spirit, the work of the Spirit is centrally to unite us to Christ. The the Spirit is the self effacing person, right? The Spirit points us to Christ. The Spirit is the one who enables and powers that relationship that we have with Christ. And so, for Paul, to talk about growing in Christ and growing in the Spirit is ultimately the same thing. We're filled with the Spirit so that we can grow in our relationship with Christ, and we can be filled with the Spirit by walking with Jesus, and so that mm-hmm. relational component, or if you prefer, covenantal component, uh, is always there in, in all of the fruits. It's self-control unto the work of following, loving yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. as the great, um, as the great telos, the great goal. Yeah. Would and you
3: say the the self then is the renewed self, the redeemed self, and thus it's being self-controlled is just. Uh, being is a call yeah, to conform to the image of Christ. I would to
2: like, uh, uh, you know, we've got this this self control, which is the language of Roman Greco virtues, right? Virtueless kind of thing. But we jump over to John and it's abide in Christ. I think those are the same mm-hmm. things. Uh, yeah. Right. Prefer the light over the darkness in John. Uh, you jump over into Hebrews and it's perseverance kind mm. of language. Keep on, draw near. So you're seeing the same thing, and maybe in some of the in 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 Paul, it arises out of this kind of philosophical virtue, but the content behind that is this is is the content of following Christ through
3: the power of the spirit. And that's helpful, though. I mean, you know, in the context to discuss this in the context of redemption, as right. opposed to just moralism and and just being a good person, right. uh, which uh, is not as helpful or as clear or as sound.
0: Mm-hmm the author of Hebrews have understood this language, fruit of the Spirit?
2: It's, I think it's interesting because Hebrews, um, y- you know, there's so much theological overlap between Hebrews and Paul. I, I'll i out myself as not thinking that Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, that's,
3: that's that's okay. Well, that's so controversial. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Um, but there's so much theological overlap, and yet, by and large, the language by which the author of Hebrews does his pneumatology, if we can put mm-hmm. it that way, is through cult, is through sacrifice in the Levitical priesthood.
0: Yeah, I think about the Old Testament, and I'm not sure. I, amongst Old Testament authors, fruit agrarian metaphors are used all the time, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that I can think of it a place where it's the spirit that's ba- it's the Torah, Torah yeah. bears fruit, which. Right, as, yeah. as, as some would say, the you know, Torah and the Spirit are, are typologically the it's the same, right? Uh, in a sense, the you know Torah bears fruit; the word bears fruit, but Spirit.
2: Now you're getting on areas where I get really <laughs> excited because I think you know, you look at James. James has no pneumatology, mm-hmm. but he does the same work through the language of a you know word, the mm-hmm. implanted word, meditating on the law. That mm-hmm. it's it's. Yeah, the lexi- the Old Testament lexicon for the sake of obedience in Christ.
0: Yeah, um, in the Old Testament, I think you know you see the the Spirit is is involved in creation, and new creation, and revelation, right? Both, uh, both softening, I guess, and hardening hearts, we could say. In the Old Testament, but you don't get the language so much of the spirit bearing fruit in like how you behave. Yeah. That's your meditation. That's, that's meditating on all, the all the time. That's on the law. Yeah. It's trusting in, delighting in the law. And of course, by law, you know, they're, they mean word of God is how they're using it. I feel like it's Psalm 119 and Psalm 1 and Jeremiah and elsewhere, you know, where that language of, of uh, delighting in Torah shows up. It's not just talking about the 10 commandments or Moses It's talking about the whole revelation of God, which is definitely the work of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that in Paul, and I think it probably is in this, that post Hellenistic sense that Paul's Paul really is activating Sark's versus Pneuma, right? Right. He's really taking that and amping it up, reappropriating it for his own purpose. But you get that just for those listeners at home who are thinking, okay, where's the continuity? Is just just Paul, or do the other authors of Scripture use this similar kind of language? I think what you said about James was great, and that's very much true in the Old Testament. Yeah. So we got to wrap up on the fruit of the Spirit.
2: Man, it feels like we've, it feels like we need a a climactic kind of place to land. Yeah. Because this is this is the end of a a, a long labor of this of, has been no, it has been a labor of, of scheduling.
0: We've had to take a lot of self control <laughs> so. and forbearance for That's us to get form. through this.
3: We, we need a uh, we need a trumpet fanfare to bring this to a to mm-hmm. a finale.
0: Well, we we encourage you listeners to be to be well fruited trees.
3: <laughs>
2: All right,
0: <laughs> go out there. and This is why we're mortified. This is why we're
2: scholars instead of pastors. You don't <laughs> know how to land the plane, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, we, we have real pastor yeah, Peter Lee here. Real pastor with us. Peter
3: Lee. No, 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 our real pastor's not here.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, he says this interesting thing, as I've just talked about what the Old Testament says about the law. What does he say about the fruit of the Spirit? Against these things there is no law. And, of course, Paul's using the law there to mean condemnatory power. Uh, If you bear the fruit of the Spirit, if you bear, bear the fruit of regeneration in this way, what does he say? You cannot be condemned. I think that's what he means by that. There is no law against you. He obviously doesn't mean that you now get to you ignore the law because Paul doesn't do that elsewhere in his mm-hmm. writings. Yeah. But what is he saying here? He's saying you can't be convicted. You can't be condemned by the law, which is what the law does if you're not bearing the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um so in a way, what he's telling us here is he's kind of getting uh, he's sort of hacking the code as it were <laughs> of yeah. the Old Testament and he's coming out as saying, "You want to know how to live in life, you want to know how to receive the inheritance of Israel, the inheritance of Christ, live in the spirit, bear the fruit of the spirit." Yeah and just so, to
1: good works is therefore a way of salvation and instruments of salvation <laughs> as Terton <Tirithen> says. <laughs> Thank in you a
3: <laughs> context.
1: In this proper context. It's not, it's not, it's not a ground. ground. upon what you're were, were saying.
0: Were you being self-controlled right. in saying that? No, opposite? I was.
1: At you know, the yeah, end it's of it's the not, episode. It's not the ground of justification, but it is a way of salvation. Well, well said.
2: Peter, I was going to bring up Second Peter because he says his own virtue list, which I think is the point of Second Peter, um, in the midst of the eschatological enemies that will do battle against the church of God, cultivate these virtues and he got his different list but it's it's a virtues list and he says instead of saying against these there there is no law he says for in this way you will be richly provided for an entrance into the eternal kingdom mm-hmm. so this is this is how we are building up the weight of glory mm-hmm. is through these through these yeah virtues
0: it is the fruit of your regeneration and faith yep. mm-hmm. okay do we get that back on track <laughs>
1: which marks your (laughs) salvation not the ground of your justification amen
0: amen well said well said well thank you brothers it's been great to work through these with you i feel enriched from our time together on this topic over the summer did we start this in the summer yeah we
2: started this at the very very a couple weeks before the summer the summer
0: of the fruit of the spirit yeah um what's next we look forward to coming back together now next week Next time, we are going to start an exciting new series. So here's a little teaser. We're gonna pick up on some controversial topics. We won't tell you what they are uh, ahead of time unless there's an obvious connection between one or the other. Um, but we're going to start up next week. We're going to go through a series of controversial topics and some of them may be ones that you're like, yeah, that's obvious. That's, that's, that's one that I've heard a lot. And some, I hope are going to be ones that you're like, you know, I never thought about it, but I can see why that's controversial. So we're kind of plumbing our own experiences, folks that we've talked to. I, I, I do keep a running list for me of people of verses or issues in the Bible that people say were really problematic for their faith. Yeah, stumbling
2: blocks. Yeah,
0: so in an age of of, uh, deconstruction and de-churching, we want to at least deal with some of the issues that have been listed uh, for people's struggles with either staying in the church or um, the reasons maybe why they left. So we're going to talk on some of those issues. Hopefully that'll be of use to you all. If you're interested in submitting questions, I'm not, I I can't promise that we'll get to them, but we'd love to hear that. We'd love to get your submissions. So check the link that's in the show notes. If you're interested at RTS and you'd like to see about continuing uh in education with us and taking classes over here at rts we'd love to start that conversation with you you can go to rts.edu for the whole of the organization and you can go to rts.edu forward slash washington to start that conversation with us here in the washington campus it's been great being with you all this summer look forward to being together next week until then take care